Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Monday is June 19th, a holiday known as Juneteenth, commemorating the emancipation of African-American slaves in 1865. It is a federal holiday, and there will be many activities around the nation and around Chicago to celebrate. The Pullman community on the south side will be no exception, but the indications are that the activities there will be exceptional. We're going to talk about all that and more this weekend. Hello, I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. Pullman is a particularly poignant place in which to honor African-American history because it embodies several histories. It's the history of the labor movement. After all, it was the home of the first black labor union. It's the history of urban planning. It was one of the first planned industrial communities in the U.S. And it is today's history as that neighborhood grows and seeks to thrive. So we're going to talk about how Pullman will celebrate Juneteenth and move beyond the holiday to the mission of the community and its allies. Joining me is David Peterson, Jr. He is president of the National A. Philip Randolph Pullman Porter Museum. It is in the Pullman National Historical District, and it honors that first Black trade union, the people who made it up, and the African-American labor leader who established it, Uh, There's a lot going on in Pullman. And David Peterson, thank you very much for uh, for being able to join me this weekend. Oh, thank you so much for the opportunity, the privilege and the, uh, you know, just the right to be able to tell this story um, and correct history. Um, And just just real quick before we start, just a a quick correction. Um, Pullman is not the home of the first black labor union. Uh, It is the home of the first black labor history museum. Mm-hmm. And that's and that is the that is the connection that particularly on um, public record needs to be stated um, because post Plessy versus Ferguson, African-Americans weren't even allowed to live in Pullman. In the late 1800s, the Jordan family who was an African-American family did live there, a very prestigious family that had great contributions. But the, the union was not welcomed there. As a matter of fact, that's why they had to organize in a clandestine manner. Um, so so the, the connection to black history and Pullman is the 28-year-old cultural institution named the National A. Philip Randolph Pullman Porter Museum. Well, that is good to know, and I thank you for that. Well, let's talk about how the museum is leading celebrations of Juneteenth in that area. Uh, And 
I know the uh, Pullman Porter Museum has been celebrating Juneteenth since long before it was a national holiday. Absolutely. You know, we had an opportunity to do our first parade in 2015, of which we honored the Tuskegee Airmen from the Dodo Bird chapter. Uh, we had the privilege of chauffeuring them around by the Corvette Club. They were flanked with the Black Cowboys and Cowgirls. And um, that was a, a, a very, very monumental effort. And the reason that we chose to do that is because the historical context is the last regiment of the Civil War, who were later to be called the Buffalo Soldiers, were the gentlemen that rolled into Galveston, Texas, to let everyone know that slavery was officially over two years prior. And those gentlemen later became the first National Park Rangers, the ones that would literally oversee these open lands. Um, so because Chicago's first National Park Service site is Pullman National Historical Park, previously known as Pullman National Monument, designated by Barack Obama in 2015, using the Antiquities Act, we feel it's only fitting because we're also home of the world's first and only Black Labor Union. Uh, and, and, and now, uh, the beginning of the first Black Labor Tourism District in the nation. It's only fitting that we do it here right in Pullman. And what kinds of things are, uh, are going to be going on in Pullman? Again, with, with uh, much, of the, uh, much of the leadership of that coming from uh, the Pullman Museum. Absolutely. Um, so well, at the A. Philip Randolph Pullman Porter Museum, uh, we, we host our annual community recommitment celebration. Um, so there is no other, you know, celebration going on like this one uh, that has been going on. And uh, on Juneteenth, we chose to do it on the federal holiday just so that we make sure that the, the impact is, is relevant. Uh, so on that day, we start off at 10 a.m., you know, with our neighborhood parade. Uh, and it's a, it's a parade slash procession through the neighborhood to simply wake people up in the neighborhood, uh, let them know about the history. It's an educational moment, a teachable moment for them. Uh, and it's also a, a promotional uh item that we use to well, you know, literally welcome and invite people down the street to the museum to come celebrate with us all day. Um, we have a lot of great ad, ad additions this year for the parade uh, where we're, we have the, the privilege of working with Shy Ball Wiley Youth Basketball uh, League. And what they are is basically holding their, their championship tournament. So they have a, a league that takes place all year. And the Juneteenth um, tournament is actually the championship. Uh, so that's exciting because we have about 50 teams uh, with, with kids, about 10 to 12 kids on each team. Um, so we're talking about first graders all the way to, to seniors in high school that are going to be participating all day. And with that, you know, these kids are going to be in the parade with us. So we're excited about that. Uh, we're excited about them being able to not only engage in recreation, but we get to sneak history in there. You know, they think they're coming to play basketball, but simultaneously they're learning about the history of the April Randolph and the Pullman Porters, the Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters. Uh, they're learning about the history of Juneteenth, but most importantly, they're learning about the importance and the art and the science of community engagement. And that's why we call this the community recommitment celebration because what we are intentionally doing is putting the neighbor back in the hood. That's why we had the opportunity to uh, partner with Hustle Mommies um, and the Moms Collective because what they do is a, a, a nationwide push to end gun violence while simultaneously standing in solidarity with the paint orange uh, movement that started as a result of the death of uh, uh, the murder of Hydea Pendleton. Uh, so, you know, we, we are, that is a soft spot for us, our youth, our future, our future leaders. And we wanna make sure that we protect them. You know, we wanna make sure that we protect their, their, their legacy, their innocence, 
and that's why we're we're, we're doing an all-out push to, to, against gun violence. You know, so it was only fitting that we 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 teamed up with these two additions to make sure that we 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 stay true to our mission and the impact and the obligation of our mission. And and talk to me a little bit about the 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 orange because first off, I know that one of the the, the themes is paint the hood orange. Um, talk why that color for people who don't know the, the story. Well, orange, uh, again, was um, a movement that started um, around the time uh, that, that idea Pendleton um, was killed. And the first organization that I heard uh, even speak about this was uh, the Lupe Fiasco Foundation, which later became uh, the Mural Foundation. And they were literally the first uh, people that I heard talking about orange. I don't know exactly what, why it was that color, but they were the first one. And then after that, there was just a big push nationally, uh, obviously because Lupe Fiasco is an international uh, you know, uh, musical artist. So he had some somewhat of a reach. And um, you know, his, 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 his foundation basically was very instrumental in making sure that people were using this color as, as somewhat of a commemorative uh, you know, notion against gun violence. Uh, it has now grown legs of its own and, and several people have taken on and, and, and the people that we've chosen to partner with this time is, is again, Hustle Mommies. And this is something that they do throughout the entire city. Uh, this paint the hood orange. So they do several neighborhoods activations. Uh, we, we, we actually partnered with them um, last year at the end of the year for, for a coat and toy giveaway at the Conrad World, uh, the Dr. Conrad World uh, track and field indoor uh, facility over at the Gately Stadium. Uh, so we're excited about that. And now, you know, as this, as this grows, it just, again, has grown legs of its own. So orange is basically synonymous with ending gun violence now. Uh, there have been a lot of uh, elected officials that have been very, very uh, strong in advocating for that, particularly our wonderful congresswoman of the 2nd Congressional District, Robin Kelly. In, indeed. And if my memory is correct, uh, and I would have to go and check this, but I believe orange was one of uh, Hydea Pendleton's favorite colors. Uh, okay, wonderful. But, uh, wonderful. Uh, but, uh, but the important thing is, is what young people take away from this, because I know even the parade, it goes to uh, Corliss High School, correct? So th is there, there are messages all along in this, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we, we have the privilege of working with some of the, the recently uh, graduating um, alumni of Corliss High School. Actually, the valedictorian was actually a visitor at the, at the museum before, and I was literally just looking at some old footage, and he was there uh, learning about the Pullman Porters. Now he, a few weeks ago, just graduated as valedictorian, you know, so we have the privilege to partner with Butler College Prep, which is on the backside of, uh, of the old Corliss. Um, Corliss High School, Wendell Smith Elementary. I mean, we're, we're, where we are with the museum, we're in an educational ecosystem. So in addition to those three schools, we're literally down the street from Olive Harvey Community College, Chicago State University, Edgar Allan Poe Classical uh, School, as well as uh, Pullman Elementary. So all of, oh, and, and um, uh, Gwendolyn Brooks. So all of these different schools only, only further the reason why us being there, teaching our kids about the importance of preserving history, heritage, and culture is so important. And what is what are the things in the museum itself that help further that mis mess that mission? I should say, because people know the museum is there, but I'm not sure people know what to expect when they walk through the doors. Well, that's I guess you know by default. 
And that's the universe's uh, design, <laughs> you know, because I, I, I personally, as a docent as well, uh, take, take great pride and I enjoy the look on people's face when they walk in and they're not expecting that. I mean, you're on the far south side of Chicago, you know, um, and, you know, when you walk into this building, you have no idea that it's going to look like what it is on the inside. You know, we, we, we basically are a hidden jewel. And when they come in, you know, they, they learn immediately. But, it's, but we like to present a feeling, not necessarily a building with pictures or even just your traditional museum. You know, it's a feeling that we try to give people. So when we come in, we like to, we like to think that they're, they're entering into a time capsule. And uh, that time capsule literally allows them to feel the energy of that, of that time period. And give, give, tell me about a couple of the things that they, that they see, some of the things that you are most proud to be able to show the people who come through the doors. I'm most proud to show people the contributions of women to this movement. You know, this labor movement uh, was not done uh, by all men. Uh, and a lot of times, you know, unfortunately, um, the history is told from a, from a misogynistic lens. Uh, I had the privilege of being a student of one of the greatest women that I've ever known, Dr. Lynn Hughes, the founder of the museum. Uh, and it was only, you know, by her design and tutelage that I was able to understand the contributions of women to the labor movement. So, you know, our exhibit on the Ladies Auxiliary, the Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters Ladies Auxiliary, has been one of the things that I've not seen uh, anywhere else. We also show the contributions uh, of the maids to the union because the union's name was originally the Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters, Dining Car Waiters, and Maids. And that is why on our museum campus expansion, also known as CDEP 2020, the Community Economic Development Empowerment Project, we're actually going to install uh, a Ladies Auxiliary Women's History Museum on the same block as the museum. Uh, so we're excited about building that story out. We're also excited about um, the civil rights component. Um, you know, a lot of people hear about the March on Washington in 1963, uh, but don't know about the March on Washington that was organized in 1941 as a direct result of discriminatory practices in the armed forces and work-related fields, which led to Executive Order 8802, which banned all discriminatory practices in the armed forces and work-related fields. So those two things right there really stand out to me the most because it shows that the Pullman Porters, uh, more proudly known as the Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters, uh, the first Black union to receive a charter under the American Federation of Labor, <laughs> might I add. I, I like to think that you know, their precursor to the civil rights movement is so important because, you know, they were talking about economic equality way before there was even a conversation about civil rights. We're talking about gentlemen that organized in 25 and had to wait until 37 to receive their charter under the AFL. Uh, and then the gentleman that literally spawned the Montgomery bus boycott. So all of these great movements that we hear that we're hearing about were all organized and carefully crafted by this group of men that very, very seldom get their just due. You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm Craig Delamore. We're looking ahead to Monday's Juneteenth celebrations in the Pullman community with David Peterson, Jr., president of the National A. Philip Randolph Pullman Porter Museum. And uh, we are also talking about the history of that area, the history of the civil rights movement and the labor movement, and we also should talk about what kind of history we're making now, some of it triumphant and some of it troubling because, uh, you know, we're talking about uh, the contributions of women and, you know, we are in a time when there are 
too many mothers burying their children in these neighborhoods and how what are the kinds of lessons or um, things can we learn and use to turn that dynamic around? Uh, what I see is wh wherever there's a problem, there's an opportunity. That's the secret blessing of the universe. There's always good and bad. The, half, the glass is always half empty or half full. You know, so for us, because there is this, this problem of, of, of gun violence, of misogyny, of uh, uh, institutional racism, uh, cultural appropriation, all of these different things give us the opportunity to rise to the occasion triumphantly. Uh, and, and, and be that as it may, again, that's why the work that we do at the museum is important because where we are, we're on the far south side of Chicago. So we're forced to do more with less just by default. And that's why, you know, our programmatic divisions are so important. So, you know, our green initiatives program division is important because we, we're, we're dealing with environmental justice. You know, a lot of people are, are, are receiving, um, you know, bad health and ailments because of the environment. So it's important that our, our children understand this. It's also important that our, our, our children and our youth understand the importance of agriculture, you know, and why eating certain things and, and having the capacity to plant things and, and grow things is so important. Um, another program division is our, our Museum 44, where Hip Hop Meets History program division, our youth and young adult division of the museum. That's important because it, it shows the youth how to use their, their, their voice uh, through, through popular culture and media in order to tell the story and stand up as a beacon of light to, to literally take on the negative uh, media that they're, they're bombarded with, literally. You know, uh, people out of the city would, would, would literally think that we're living in a war zone because of strategic media. Whereas, you know, and this million, this several millions uh, of people in the city, there, there are pockets of things that go on. There are isolated incidents, but there's so much more great things that are going on and we don't highlight them enough. And that's why we use our voice through the Museum 44 program in order to tell that story. Uh, in addition to that, our A. Philip Randolph Advocacy Training uh, Program Division. You know, that's important because again, it shows children and youth and even young adults how to use advocacy as a tool for redemption uh, and, and, and correction of all of the great things, uh, terrible things that are going on in the city. So, you know, all, all of these things, they, they, they come together as one to, again, justify why the work that we're doing at the museum is important, but it also provides an outlet uh, for the opportunity for us to, you know, kind of correct these wrongs. You know, I, I, even when you're talking about something like, uh, like the hip hop uh, part of the program. You know, when I look at that, I see someone being taught to write <laughs> that, you know, the communication part of it, that to be able to tell their own narrative. And, you know, we don't look at it as writing. And I don't think people always think of writing as, as an important skill. But when you're dealing with those words and putting those words together, that is how the stories get out. That is how you counter the uh, the stereotypes, right? Absolutely, absolutely. That's why creative writing and media are so important. You know, so we've, we have broadcast journalists, people come in and, and talk to these youth about how to use their voice. Uh, we have creative writers come in and talk to them about how to use their voice. So, you know, what's in your cup will overflow. Our goal is just to, to fill the youth's cup up with something that's so meaningful, so impactful, so potent that the things that they begin to, to, to talk about are now more fruitful because all they're simply doing is, is talking about the things that they see. 
or, or the cultures that they're around all of the time. So we just are intentional about giving them more opportunities of things to talk about so that they don't think that, you know, in every urban community or a low income community, it, it, it has to be a war zone. And, and you know, it, that, that's not the reality. That's not the truth. You know, we, we, there, there are several artists that, that talk only about certain things and their, and their excuses. Well, I'm, I'm just talking about my hood and what I'm from. Well, that's not true because on your same block, you have a lady selling snow cones out there. You have kids playing a ball outside. You have kids running around and playing and kids walking to and from school and families and coming together and, you know, generational uh, wealth that's been created through the transfer of property and things like that. All of these different things are going on in the neighborhood, but we don't hear that. We don't hear that side of the story. So our goal is to teach kids in these neighborhoods to know that, you know, they're, they're not just forgotten about because they might be from, from downtrodden uh, environments. And this is a perfect transition to the other thing that I wanted to talk about before we went and, uh, before we started recording, uh, you and I were talking about what a beautiful and, and vibrant neighborhood Pullman uh, is and is becoming even more so, I think. Uh, and I recall being down there and seeing people gathering around, uh, you know, some live music being played halfway down one block and neighbors sort of gathering around somewhere else. Talk about the transformation that the Pullman area is undergoing as all this attention is being poured on it through the development of the National Monument, uh, through the more development at the museum, and frankly, just a lot of more people coming through. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's a great amount of attention and resources that have been poured into, into Pullman. Uh, that's that's the overall optimistic side of it. The reality is Pullman is broken up into two different census tracts, 5002, 5003, one of which is called, as of 1992, Historic North Pullman. That's 103rd to about 108th Street. The, the majority of the uh, energy that you're talking about that you've seen is from 109th to 115th Street, the Historic Pullman side of it. But again, it wasn't until 1992 that Dr. Hughes actually literally got the northern half incorporated into the footprint because she did the research and found out that the U.S. Department of Interior had have, had actually incorporated the entire district as a historic Pullman district. And again, that's 103rd to 115th Street. So there's literally a, a tale of two sides. If you take a trip through Pullman and you just drive uh, 107th northbound, you'll see the blocks of dilapidated properties, uh, not too well uh, vacant lots, um, not too well manicured lawns. Um, there, there are several homeowners, but there are more. There, there's more blight than there is, you know, this bustling community. Uh, and that's and that's important to to continue to tell because a lot of the times people use the demographic of the of the downtrodden side to get resources to then only, you know, build up the side that is already doing well. So we at the museum that is the primary reason why we came up with this CDEP 2020 Community Economic Development Empowerment Project, because we want to make sure that, you know, the entire Pullman becomes one Pullman. I mean, this is nothing that I'm saying is a secret. This is public record. You can just Google, you know, census track 5002, you know, and, and it, it'll, it'll literally show you the difference in demographics from 5002 and 5003, which is literally blocks away. So the, the income is lower. Uh, the education level is lower. Uh, the, the, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the opportunity for people to just have, have a meaningful income and gainful employment is lower. Um, and, and, and that's important for us. You know, now, one thing that we are proud about is um, 
you know, the fact that we have 19 factories there. Uh, one thing that we are proud about is that when all of the different Walmarts closed down, the one where we are did not close down. Uh, so mm-hmm. we, we, we'd like to thank, you know, um, our, our leadership, you know, between uh, uh, Alderman Beal, Alderman Anthony Beal, uh, State Representative Nick Smith, uh, Cook County Commissioner Stanley Moore, uh, State Senator uh, L.G. Sims, uh, Congressional, uh, con- Congressional Dis- Second Congressional District Congresswoman Robin Kelly. Our leadership are giants. Our leadership are superheroes because they have come together, stood in solidarity and made sure that the resources come back to the community. Now we as a community need to say, not what can, not what can my community do for me, but what can I do for my, my elected official do for me, but what can I do to help my elected official? Uh, and that is creating programs and projects that they can support. That is creating uh, opportunities for them to put resources there because I mean, at the end of the day, there's only so much they can do. And that seat, there's, that seat is, is there to serve as a, as a public, um, you know, a public office, public elected seat, right? But they need the constituents to be involved. So again, that's why our CDEP 2020 program is so important because we're carefully crafting environments where people can learn more about civic engagement. You know, our, our, we have very, very strong community partners like the Far South Chicago Coalition that has recently created a quality of life plan with the help of LISC. Uh, one that hasn't been done in 20 years on the far south side of Chicago. Uh, we, we work with partners like Failings Family Services. Um, so, so all of these different, these, these different people that we work with, we have an opportunity to uh, decrease health disparities. Uh, we have an opportunity to increase community engagement. But these things only are a reason. They're, they're, they're only a, a thing because there is a need for them. So, you know, while we, to- we tell this, this glorious, colorful story about everything going on in Pullman, we'd be remiss if we didn't tell the actual story of the problem, but what did I say earlier? Each problem gives us an opportunity for an op- uh, for, for a solution. That's the blessing in all of this. Are you getting enough uh, activism from within the community? Are you getting the kind of response where people are willing to put in the time and to get more involved? Absolutely, absolutely. And that's one thing that we, we're, we're very proud of. You know, right when the uh, pandemic started, you know, we had an opportunity to partner with the city of Chicago's initiative, Healthy Chicago Equity Zones. So we were able to, um, we were able to partner with Far South Chicago Coalition and Failing Family Services to do a lot of community uh, um, uh, roundtable discussions, surveys about, you know, what people's concerns were in the community. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and because of the resources that were provided by the city, we were able to pay people stipends to participate in these, these focus groups. And that's where we were able to come up with this tangible uh, data that's empirical and literally shows people, you know, uh, that their voice does matter. So that, that, that created an entire whirlwind of, of, of engagement that had not been there prior to that. Uh, so we're excited about that. And it gives people the opportunity, again, to know that their voice matters and that they do have a part in this story. A lot of the people really don't even feel as if they're a part of this national park area. And, you know, um, we, we haven't had an opportunity to let them know, no, you are a part of it. You know, we, we continuously have to remind people, uh, visitors, partners, everyone that know this entire district is Pullman because sometimes people come to the music museum and say, hey, yeah, we were down there at the, uh, at the historical site. We were down there at the monument, not knowing that this is a monument district. So it's, it's, it's an unofficial slap in the face when people don't consider us all a part of the Pullman National Historical Park because we are. Indeed. Indeed. Well, let me uh, ask you uh, one other question. Because I mean, you mentioned the uh, the wing that's going to have the female 
auxiliary highlighted. But what else is ahead for the uh, Pullman Porter Museum as we look forward? Well, we have, um, again, the creation of the world's first black labor tourism district. And it was uh, affectionately called A. Philip Randolph's Way. Uh, so we're, we're, we're moving to uh, change Maryland Avenue into A. Philip Randolph uh, Way. And on that, again, we have the, uh, the Jesse Jackson Civil Rights Wing of the museum uh, that, that will be uh, expanded upon. Uh, we're starting construction on Labor Day this year. It will be a, a big blowout about that. Uh, we'll have uh, the Jesse White uh, Black Labor Research Library. Uh, we'll have Pullman Porter's Row, which is an outside visitor's village and slash pavilion where, where visitors can come and learn and fellowship and have good food and just a, 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 an authentic uh, hospitality experience. Uh, we'll have workforce development, apprenticeship training, and, and um, you know, just job training uh, environments there uh, where, where people can get, get training. I uh, will have the, 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 doc, the Dr. Hughes Brotherhood of Sleeping Car Porters, Ladies Auxiliary Women's History Museum, and all of these things will be there. And then finally, um, in the old firehouse, we'll have the A. Philip Randolph Culture Factory Complex. So these are all of the things that, uh, again, that culminate to, to create CDEP 2020, the cultural, uh, Community Economic Development Empowerment Project. And that is a cultural economic development project, the first of its kind. I want to thank you very much for laying all of that out for us. That is David Peterson, Jr. of the A. Philip Randolph Pullman Porter Museum and uh, the president of that institution. And I thank you so much. And to our listeners, if you would like a copy of this program or just to hear it again, please visit our website. That's WBBMNewsRadio.com. You can also find our podcast on Odyssey.com. We'll be back next week with another edition of At Issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, News Radio 1059 WBBM. T Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus ATT and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.